But we, we are, we're going to look at that today. We're going to look at the Word. We're in this Real Change series, and we believe that God does want us to experience real change. Last week, we talked about how it really starts with, with not just being saved, but understanding, hey, God doesn't want you just to be saved. He wants to be free, too. And kind of an introduction into the whole concept and idea that there are people that can be Christians and not free. They still walk around with things that, that hinder them in their relationship with God. And one of the things that keeps people from living free or walking out real change is their disconnect with the word. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I do want to say happy uh, Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. Uh, I know it's a three-day weekend and you guys are here and I'm thankful for that. I think it's appropriate, you know, so many of the speeches uh, that he gave. He's a hero of the faith. And so many of the speeches he gave, it, it, it was talking about true freedom and real freedom. And I think the reason why he was such a powerful man of God is because he understood that true freedom is much more than a natural state. It is a state of your heart and your mind understanding who you are in Christ. And that he lived that. And, and so that's one of the primary verses that we look to. Starting last week in Galatians 5.1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And what is the yoke of slavery? Well, in this context, Paul is actually talking to a church where people are telling him that people still needed to be circumcised. And so there were grown men that were still going and doing this. And Paul's like, it's not necessary. You don't understand the new covenant. And uh, I would have been Paul's best friend. I'd be like, yeah, listen to him. Listen to him. Y'all don't need to keep doing this. Stop it. But I think in the context of what we're reading, I think it's just important you understand, like, God wants you to be free from legalism, from a spirit of religion, and certainly from sin. Another great verse in Psalm 119.45, we're talking about the word and how the word helps facilitate freedom. It says, I will walk about in freedom for I have sought out your precepts. The word, Proverbs 35 Every word of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. I find it interesting that so many of us, man, we'll, we'll take extreme measures to protect our home and security and cameras. And, and uh, you know, and in Arkansas, everybody's got a gun in their house, right? And uh, amen. <laughs> uh, he, he'll say amen the loudest because he's from Texas and everybody in Texas has a gun. So, but... Uh, but it's interesting how many people don't protect their home with the word. Uh, you know, you want to know what's really messing up homes and destroying homes. It's not people breaking in. It's the enemy just sneaking in and wreaking havoc. And, and it's a lot of it's because we, we don't, we're not in the word. We're not in the word. Proverbs 4.2, man, Proverbs is full. Like, God, understand, you need wisdom. You've got to know this word. Listen, my sons, to a father's instruction. Pay attention and gain understanding. So he's just like repeating this. Listen, pay attention, gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. Anybody raising kids, you know how it is where there's some things you just may say it a little more flippantly, you know, that you don't care as much, like, hey, don't forget to put shoes on before you go to school, stuff like that. But there's other things where it's like every once in a while where you feel like you just got to go over and grab your kid's face. 
You know what I'm talking about? Like you get down, and you're just like mushing their face together. Like, listen. Stop headbutting your sister. <laughs> you can't keep doing that. And this is what I'm trying to do with you. As your brother in Christ, as your pastor, this is one of those, <laughs> me just, please. F forget about social media for a second. Uh, even forget about the, the circumstances and the struggles and, and the difficulties that you're having that could be consuming your heart and your mind right now. And just listen, you need the word. So many of the situations and circumstances that you're dealing with have the answers right here. But you've got to have the word. And so I'm begging you as a pastor to get in the word, to get in the word every day. Like I, I want to beg you like LeBron James begs for a foul because you know that brother, he will just whine and complain and beg for, I'm begging, I'm begging you like Tom Brady begs for a penalty every single time. If he falls down, he's going to beg for a penalty. I'm begging you like a duck hunter begs for cold weather. And you finally got it yesterday morning. A lot of people got their limit because of it. But I'm just, I'm asking you to please. And we don't beg you a lot as a church. Like I don't beg you to serve. I don't beg you to give. But I'm begging you to make the word a priority in your life. To get in it every day on some level. Why? Because you hear a lot of messages every day. There's a lot of noise and static. So many lies that you could be subjected to, confusion. And there's just a lot of options that could consume your mind and your thoughts. You need something to lead those thoughts. We started doing a devotional with my kids starting at the beginning of this year. We found one of these, this old paperback Year of the Bible devotionals. And it's like old school. And, uh, and it was one that my parents had, had used with me when I was a kid. Uh, and in fact, we found an, an, a note from my third grade teacher <laughs> on one of the pages. And I could tell that my mom was like making a point to pray that God would help me on this particular area of my life in this devotional. And so we started doing this devotion with my kids. And, and a lot of you guys may think, well, you're a pastor. So of course your kids love devotions. Like you picture in your mind, like I just like, like levitate in and perch myself on this big lazy boy recliner, say children, it is time for our devotional. And they just come running with tambourines and shouts of joy. It is time for the devotional. Father, teach us. All powerful knowing what father. Pastor. No, it's not like that. Like it, it's hard. It's a, it's a little bit of a struggle. Like, and so I remember this analogy that Pastor Rick had given to his kids at one point. I told my kids, I said, hey, why is this important? And they're like, well, because we're Christians and you're the pastor. And, you know, and so like gave me these answers and I knew like they were missing the heart of this. 
So I said, imagine if Jesus walked in. We were sitting down as a family, just sitting in a circle like we are right now. And, and Jesus walks in and he doesn't say anything, but he just comes over and he, he's got some, some paper and a pen. And, and one by one, he looks at each one of you, but he looks at, looks at you, London, and, and he just smiles and he looks at the paper and he writes something. He looks again, writes a little more and then folds it up. And he just kind of pushes it aside. And then he goes to you, Corbin, does the same thing. And then he goes to you, Reeves, and does the same thing. And then to you, Grayson, and does the same thing. And every time, just looking into your eyes and, and then writing something. And then he just folds it up and he's got it in a pile. And, so, and, then, and then he just gets up and he walks out. He doesn't say anything. He just gets up and he walks out. What are you going to do as soon as he leaves? You're going to run over there and read it. They're like, yeah, we want to know. We want to know. I said, that's exactly what God did. That's exactly what he did. That is his word. And so, you know what? It would be amazing if Jesus walked in here. And it would be amazing if he started to tell on each one of us. But I don't think it would be any more powerful than what he's already done. He's already given it to us. He's already given us his word. But we have to hunger for it. We have to desire to have this. Because, look, some of you have asked, well, you're a pastor, so has God, you ever heard the audible voice of God? No, I haven't. I sure haven't. And, and someone might say, well, I don't think that God necessarily speaks to everyone. And... And you'd be right, because in James 1, it says, if you don't have faith, if you have doubt, he can't speak. In James 4, it says, if you ask, but you ask with the wrong motives, you won't receive. He won't speak. First Peter 3, if, if I don't treat my wife with honor and grace and respect, then he won't speak. Hebrews 5, 7, Jesus listened for Jesus was listened to because of his reverence for God. Isaiah 58 says that even if you pray and fast, but you don't care about the poor, then God won't speak to you. And so you're right. But you'll notice that the word is where we found all that out. And so it's the word that helps us test our motives helps us see like, oh man, I've been, I've been asking God, but, but this is where my heart has been. No wonder I'm not hearing anything. We have to have the word. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So there's a couple things there. Alive means it's not dead. And active means it's still working. It's at work. It's at work. Look, there is no other, no other book on the planet that can make that claim. There's no other book that, that, that can truthfully make the claim that it is still working and still alive. It's still personal. The Congress Library, the Library of Congress, so it, it claims to be the largest library in the world. 530 miles of bookshelves within that library. 
29 million books and other printed materials. But among all of that in there, there's only one book that claims to be alive and still working, still moving people. It's the Word of God. I find that people who neglect the Word of God are often emotionally driven. And that's your first point. If you neglect the Word of God, you're going to be way more prone to be emotionally driven. Uh, an, an example of this, an example of my own life, is when I've been an impulsive buyer of something. Okay, now try, try to relax your elbow and don't, don't do this too much during this, this part of the message. But, but I, I'm, I'm like that. I'm like an impulsive buyer. Like my wife, she used to be more impulsive, that she's become more, much more frugal, and she's like the person that's going to research something. Like if you want, if you're looking to find a good deal on something, but quality something, my wife could start her own business finding stuff like this because she will research. If I see something I want, I want to buy it. And I've made, I've made some very, very just stupid, stupid decisions buying stuff before. Now, one of the earlier ones is when Cody and I were married and we were staying up late and we saw an infomercial for knives. And I was just like, we need that. We need those. I mean, keep in mind, it was like 12 o'clock at night. So like nothing smart happens at that time of night. Like nothing smart happens that time of night. And next thing you know, like, like we bought them, we ordered them, but, but you wake up the next morning like, you, like the same, feeling the same way you felt like when you went to a party and you're afraid you did something really stupid when you were at the party. Like you feel the same way. You're just like, oh no, we've made a horrible mistake. And you just feel guilty about it. Just, we still have those knives today. We won't buy new ones until Jesus comes back. It's 15 years later. We still have them. We're going to keep using them. I don't care if they are dull. Quit complaining about them. We're going to keep them. We paid for them. We're keeping them. <sighs> Anybody ever gotten a call about a timeshare? <laughs> Me too. But it's that whole thing like, I feel it, so it must be right. I feel it, so it must be right. Like, if it feels good, then do it. Ooh. The problem is, feelings can lie. Like, and you have no idea if that's God, you, or Taco Bell speaking. <laughs> it can confuse you. Feelings will lie to you. Have you ever been fooled by your feelings? Man, I have. Goodness. I mean, I was pursuing the wrong girl before I met Cody. But my feelings are just like, man, this is it. This is, she's the one. And then I met Cody, and God was like, you're wrong. And I was wrong because that girl wound up being a psycho. I'm just <laughs> telling you right now. Like, uh, she likes cats. She, she. <laughs> There's a whole litany of things. <laughs> feelings will lie to you. Look, we need to be frightened that feelings could lead us away from the word of God. Like, oh my gosh, like, we could get away from truth. Don't let anybody tell you to be led by your feelings. Now, there might be a Christian around you, a man or woman of God. Everything needs to be filtered through something. 
The truth is this. Nothing feels as good as being in the center of God's will and his word. Nothing feels better than that. It is the most amazing feeling in the world. Hebrews 11, 6 then says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it doesn't say without feelings or emotions. It says without faith, it's impossible. Look, everybody loves something, right? Everybody is, has an emotional or, or is connected to something or someone with some amount of feeling. Like, I know I love my wife. I know I love my kids. At least 75% of them most of the time. Like, no, I love my kids. I, I know that. I, I, I love this church. I love New Life Church. Like, I, even if I didn't pastor here, I'd attend here. I appreciate it. My kids have gotten saved in this church. Uh, by the way, Grayson, my youngest, gave her heart to Jesus last night beside of my bed. But you have to know that that whole conversation is, well, Mr. Bernie said, well, Mr. Bernie said, I'm like, okay, I'm your dad. I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm joking, because I was like, I know, Mr. Bernie's amazing. And she was just ready to receive. I'm thankful for this church. I love a lot of things. This time of year, I love certain basketball teams and certain football teams. I love the San Antonio Spurs. They're an amazing organization. I love that team. I love the Broncos. I've just raised. I love that Bama lost. I don't care about anything else. I just care that they lost. I love that. Um, I love that Kansas City is going to beat the Patriots today. That's going to be amazing. I'm excited about that. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm a false prophet. And you'll probably look for a different church. But I hope I'm right. I love a lot of things, though. I love the outdoors. I love the outdoors. I love camping. I love fly fishing. I love shooting guns. There's nothing like the smell of burning gunpowder. I mean, there's just the best smell in the world. I love to laugh. I love pizza, along with every other kid. I love smoked meats. Love just being able to tear into a platter of meat. It's just one of my favorite things. <laughs> I love action movies because they're the good movies. And I love cats. <laughs> I'm just making sure you're not asleep in here. But the question for us is do we love the Word of God? Like, do you love the Word? Over and over again in, in Proverbs, pay attention to my word, my sayings, to my commandments, to my heart, my ways. Look, you will be driven or led by something in your life. Something will drive you or lead you in life. You get to choose what? I remember the first time after Cody and I got married, one of the first times I saw a family with multiple kids and there was one of the kids on the leash, you know, the kid on the leash. And I just remember thinking... <laughs> That is just ridiculous. Be a better parent. Come on. Can't be that hard. What is your problem? If you were a better parent, you wouldn't have to put your kid on a leash. That's just inhumane. And then I had kids. And I'm like, hey, where do you get one of those leash things? You know? 
And then I started thinking of like how you could upgrade the design on this thing. Like, you know what it needs is some sort of battery operated mortar that retracts the kid. <laughs> so they may run off, but you just push a button and it just drags them back to where you are. Like that rope in the bird box movie, you know, she just comes straight, straight back to you. If you don't know what I'm talking about, it's a thing right now. Everybody's an expert on parenting until you have a kid. And then it changes things. The point is this. What are you going to allow to lead you, drive you? I also don't think the kids should be the ones leading you and driving you. I think you should be a parent. I think you should tell the kids what they're supposed to do, not the kids tell you what you're supposed to do. But I'm just a young father learning. 2 Timothy 4.3 says this, For a time is coming when people no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They'll follow their own desires and look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ear wants to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. Man, you're going to need the word. You're going to need to know what it says. And have a conviction about it. People who neglect God's word are often also truth starved. They're truth starved. So like what, what has a final authority in your life of what is right and wrong? I will say that how you approach the Bible will determine how much you actually get out of it. So if you approach the Bible as a skeptic, you'll get about that much out of it. Like, the word will be kind of close to you. But if you approach the word of God, like, I'm just hungry for truth. I don't know what it is, but I'm hungry for it. Then it will be very open to you. And the amazing thing about the Bible is it's the only book that's ever been written that you can actually talk to the author while you're reading it. The Holy Spirit. It's like the only book where it's just like you and the author sitting there like, well, okay, and then you did this. But what, what did you mean by that? And what does that mean for me? And you can talk to him. First Thessalonians 2.13 says, We thank God continually because you received the word of God, which you heard from us. You accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. We need truth because we'll either listen to the word or we'll listen to circumstances. We need to know the truth about our circumstances. How do you deal with difficult circumstances? What does the word say about it? Circumstances will change in seasons. Faith shouldn't. Faith should remain consistent. You'll either listen to the word or you'll listen to culture. But listen, y'all, culture has lied to us. Culture will convince you that there's something that is amazing and great and cool. And then you will realize at some point that it was not. Here's a couple of examples. 
there was a time in culture where Aquanet and Jesus hold the world together and it's just a lie. Like, that was cool. It looks like a mistake, but it was done on purpose. And then this one, and I know some of y'all may still struggle with this. I know some of y'all still struggle with this. There's so many wrong things about that picture. But culture told us, this is cool. Culture will lie to you. Certain clothing styles. Culture will say, look, everybody's doing it, so it must be the right thing to do. But listen, we don't just take polls and make decisions on that. We don't have to. We don't need to take a poll. The word tells us what to do. In Proverbs 16, 25, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but in the end it leads to death. Next is 23, 2. Do not follow the crowd in doing wrong, but what is right and what is wrong? You won't know if you don't know the word of God. John 8, 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But you've got to know it. So you need to know what's true about how much God loves you. It's in the word. The truth about failure, the truth about pain, the truth about forgiveness, the truth about purpose, the truth about sex, the truth about raising kids. It's in the word. People who neglect the word of God are often spoon fed. Some of you only get fed spiritually when you come to church. And it's the equivalent of a baby who only gets fed when someone is forcing them to feed, to eat. Now, this is one of the stronger points in my message, and I don't want you to get offended, and I'm not calling you a baby. I am your pastor, and I love you. And I'm just trying to help you to see that you are setting yourself up to be very, very weak in life if Sunday mornings is the only time that you are getting the word. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul is addressing the church in Corinth about this subject. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. In other words, you've been Christians a long time, and you ought to be teaching others a word by this point. Instead, you need someone to keep teaching you. You're like babies that that drink milk and you can't eat solid food yet. Look, the Israelites, we talked about them a bit, you know, when, when God was providing for them manna, but it was daily manna. Every day they would go out and collect the manna and it was enough manna for that day. The next day it would spoil. They had to go and get manna every day. It was every, an everyday process. They had to desire to go and do that. Personally, there's nothing like fresh bread. You know? You ever get to go by one of those bakeries or down to Panera, man, when they're just baking the bread, there's nothing like having a fresh bread right out of the oven. You know? There's nothing like that. It does cost more. It's going to cost some sacrifice. But man, is it so much better 
than anything else. There's nothing like God's word, daily, fresh. You may come to church and on a really good day, you you may get a seven-course meal out of the sermon. But guess what? Tomorrow, you still need to eat again. Tomorrow, you still got to get your bread. You you still got to find what is... What's yours? And, and here's the thing. Like, every church gets these complaints. They get a lot of complaints, honestly. Like, like some of y'all were thinking, man, why didn't the choir have choir robes on? They're not even, what kind of choir is that? This church doesn't even have stained glass. You're right. There's a lot of complaints. One of the complaints is we're just not getting fed enough. You're right. You got to feed yourself. It's not actually my job to feed you. At one point or another, you've got to feed yourself. And when you feed yourself, you're like, man, I'm strong. I'm full. I think I'm going to share a little bit. I think I need to give somebody else a little bit too. They look a little bit weak. They look a little thin spiritually. I've got some. I can give them something. But you can't get there. Look, I promise if this is the only meal you're getting, yeah, by, by Saturday, you're walking around like a video of one of those kids in a foreign country that's starving to death spiritually. You got a hunger for the word. Having a family, man, going through the drive-thru with kids. I mean, oh my goodness. It's so hard because it's just like so picky about everything. What do you want? I want this, but I don't want this. I want this. So I just started ordering for everyone. And they hated it. I'm like, no. Nah. Then they didn't even want to go through a drive-thru. I'm like, that's fine. Save me some money. God's calling you to fast for the day, I guess. You know, that's awesome. My kids are spiritual. At one point or another, you got to get old enough to order your own meal. Know what you want and go get it. Go get it. Matthew 6, 11, Give us today our daily bread. That's in the Lord's Prayer. Give us today our daily bread. And it's not just talking about the bread you eat. It's talking about, God, give us a word every day throughout the Bible. Bread is always associated with God's word with God supplying, with God giving you what you need. You've got to get it. Example of the need for the word of, or the bread of the word. Jesus, man, in the wilderness, 40 days, prayer and fasting. You may have fasted, you may have prayed, but I promise you, you probably haven't done it for 40 days. And he's outside. Harsh environment. Harsh environment. He's the weakest that you can be. Physically, Emotionally, he's just seeking his father. He hasn't started his ministry yet. He's setting an example for us. And Satan shows up to tempt him. And the thing is, he'd finished 40 days of prayer and fasting. On principle, he was done. And Satan comes to him and he says, Hey, Jesus, man, you look pretty hungry. I'm paraphrasing. 
there's some rocks over there. Why don't you just treasure rocks and just some bread? Man, he's tempting him with carbs. How low can you go? But Jesus says, man does not live. Actually, he says, it is written. Which meant he had to know that it was written. Which means he read it. Did he have to? He was God. He kind of wrote it. But he knew it. He read it. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So three things real quick. How to activate God's word in your life. First of all, you got to read it. You got to read the word. Matthew twenty two twenty nine. Jesus replied, your mistake is that you don't know scripture. You don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. But one is a result of the other. You don't know the power of God because you don't know the word. You don't know the scripture. Here's the deal. You don't have to pray about whether or not you should have sex outside of the context of marriage. You don't need to pray about that. It's in the word. You don't need to pray about gossip. It's in the word. You don't need to ask God about whether or not you should forgive somebody or not. It's in the word. You don't need to Pray about whether or not you should retaliate. Beat somebody up because of something they did. It's in the word. But you need to know the word. And you can't get it without praying. 2 Timothy 6 or 3.16. All scripture, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Second thing is you got to meditate on the word. You got to meditate on the word. There is a difference between those two. Joshua 1.8 says this, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. How many of you guys want to be prosperous and successful? Okay, anybody that's not raising your hand, we'll take yours. Uh, <laughs> I think we all do, but you can't meditate on something that you haven't read. If you haven't read it, you can't meditate on it. If you can't meditate on it, you can't say it. And if you can't say it, it can't transform you. Meditate on the word of God. And the last thing is apply the word of God. James 1.22. But don't just listen to God's word. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Don't just listen to it. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. It's New Year's, right? Uh, a lot of y'all had resolutions. And, and uh, a lot of people set resolutions for fitness and just being healthy and stuff like this. So, so this is the picture of it. Let's just say you made a decision, you want to eat more healthy, so you're going to go meet with a dietitian. You'll meet with a dietitian, but you go in a place that's like a, like a group of dietitians, and you go in there, and, and there, there's a couple people standing in front of you. they got certificates up on the wall, they've got degrees, they've got all, you know, here's, here's my resume, all the things that I know. 
And, and as far as all that goes, as far as their credentials, all of that's pretty much the same. But one of them is 150 pounds overweight. And the other one is in shape. Which one do you think you're gonna pick to give you advice? Because all of us would recognize, look, knowing it all is different than doing it. And what I find is there's a few of us, including myself in different seasons, where we get a little heavy on how many Christian playlists we have. We get a few too many spiritual calories with one more devotional, but we're not living it and we're not doing it. And God has called us. And this is not for the people that never read the word. This is for the people you've read the word, but you're not necessarily doing it. And the picture is like, spiritually obese warriors (laughs) that aren't fit for the battle because you're not doing it. You're not applying what it says. God wants us to apply it. Mark Twain said it this way. It's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the part of the Bible that I do understand that bothers me. Most of us were educated way beyond our level of obedience. God needs us just to be obedient. He needs us to live it. To live it. Every time you hear God's word, find one thing that you can go and apply immediately. Just find one thing that you can go and apply because it's gotta be information, then application, because that's the only thing that brings transformation. The application is what brings the transformation. And some of you, you need transformation in your life. And I would encourage you, like your, your one applied verse, your one applied and lived out truth from your heavenly Father, from the Holy Spirit, your one applied truth away from transformation beginning to transform your life into everything that God has for you. So here's the deal. I meant to preface this whole talk with this because some of you are beating yourself up like crazy right now. It's like, man, I suck as a Christian. Like I'm just not even that good of a person. And you could believe those lies and you could allow the enemy to heave all kinds of shame and guilt and condemnation on you. And that is not the point of this word. The point of this word is the opposite of that. It's to encourage you. It's also to give you some perspective and for you to self-evaluate, just where am I? And this is what I'd say. You don't need to go home and and start a one-year Bible plan and try to tear through the Old Testament. But you can take a one step, 1% growth towards beginning to having the Word transform your life. So I'm just asking you, take that step. Take that step. Just take that step. Find a, a two or three day devotional and a reading plan on your Bible app and just say, I'm gonna commit to this. And I'm not just gonna read the scripture. I wanna understand the scripture. I wanna understand how it applies to my life, what it means for me.
because we have to have the word of God. And as a church, we have to repent that sometimes we haven't done a good job with equipping the saints. And we're gonna focus in on, in life groups, in community, and in sermons. You need the word. You need the word of God. You need it. He's got something for you. Amen. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand today. I believe it for you. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the Bible. I thank you that uh, you speak to us. You still speak. I thank you that your word has never changed. It's steadfast. It's the most historically documented piece of literature that exists on the planet. It's the all-time bestseller. God, help us to have a hunger for it. God, I pray that we would have the same hunger for it that I saw in, in those villages of North Vietnam when we smuggled Bibles in there and people were kissing those Bibles, where they were fighting over it. They just, to have the word, God, give us a desire like that. Give us a hunger. God, give me a new hunger and desire for your word. Look, I know that some of you, you have a disconnect from this conversation today because you don't even have a relationship with God. It's like, why would you have a desire for his word, for the Bible, if you don't even have a relationship with him? And I just wanna give you a chance to do that today. And if you're here and you just, you just sense in your heart, you sense, like, I'm away from God. I don't even know what I believe about God, but I do feel like he's, He's speaking to me and I feel that this draw that I need to make a decision, I need to take a step. And I, wanna, I just wanna help with that step. I wanna give you an opportunity. Maybe you've never accepted relationship with God through his son, Jesus, or maybe you did at one point or another, but you know that you're away from him now. You're away from him. You have no confidence that if you died today, that you would be able to go to heaven. And I want you to have a confidence that if something happened for whatever reason, if something happened, that you could have 100% confidence that you would get to be in heaven eternally with your Lord and Savior, Jesus. And if you're here today and you're, you're ready to, to come to him or come back to him, nobody looking around, but if that's you, and you just feel like God's leading you to do that, I'm just gonna ask you to be bold enough to admit that's me. I want to include you in this prayer. If that's you, put your hand in. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. I need a relationship with God. Got it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, bro. Thank you. Thanks for being bold. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. I need a relationship with him. I need to rededicate my life to him. Make sure I see you. I just want you to have confidence. I got your back. We're going to agree in prayer. Got it, bro. Thank you. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus. I need to rededicate my life to him today. Okay. Father God, I thank you for those few folks who just raised their hand. I thank you that right now they're gonna encounter your presence right there in their chair. God, regardless of any lie that's ever been spoken to them by man or by the enemy himself, that right now they're making the choice to accept you and to step into the truth of who they are in you. 
And if you're making that decision, just talk to God right there in your chair. Just say, God, I know that I need you. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I can't save myself, but I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I don't deserve it. I can't understand everything about it. But right now I just choose to accept your grace and your love and your mercy. Would you please heal me, Jesus? Would you please change me, Jesus? Would you please set me free from the things that I'm, I'm so trapped by? I confess that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. But I thank you, Jesus, that you didn't actually stay dead. You rose from the grave. So you didn't just die for my sin. You defeated my sin. You defeated death in the grave. You rose again. And I thank you, God, that you're in heaven. You're preparing a place for me. I don't deserve that, but I'm thankful for it. Thank you for the hope of heaven. But God, I'm not just gonna wait around for heaven. Give me a purpose, God. Help me to see it and see it clearly and help me to step into it with some boldness and confidence. And God, would you please help me grow in an understanding of your word. Help me, God. It's, it's, it's intimidating sometimes. It's, I've got a Bible, but it collects dust because I just don't even, I don't even know where to start. So lead me by your spirit. Help me to be connected to the body of Christ with other godly men and women that can help me walk in relationship with you. Walk in your word. Thank you for that. We give you glory for that. We thank you, God. Your word says that when even one person, when even one of your sons and daughters returns home to you as their heavenly father, that all of heaven rejoices. <laughs> so we thank you and we rejoice with them here now in Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God a hand for them. Welcome to the family. We love you, we're proud of you.